Broadcasting live, it's America's longest-running talk show on computers. It's Computer America, bringing you the biggest names in technology with guest interviews, new products, and your emails. Listen live at ComputerAmerica.com on any device around the world. Email the show at live at ComputerAmerica.com or find us on social media. Be sure to check out our website for contests, giveaways, show notes, live video stream, podcasts, and more. You're listening to Computer America. Hello and welcome into the Computer America Show. We are the nation's longest running, nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers and technology. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Ben Crossman, and I hope all of you are having a wonderful day because... Hey, we have a wonderful show planned for you, where we have an entire show dedicated to computer and technology news. And if that's not exciting enough, well, I don't know what is. But uh, yeah, later on in the program, on top of that, we will, of course, be doing things such as giving away a uh, giving away a prize for our large tech contest live on the air. So if you entered that contest, then you are already entered to win. And hey, we could be naming you here shortly. So, with all that being said, let's go ahead and uh, get started here. So, a couple of things before we get into news. We, uh, hey, ComputerAmerica.com. That's probably one of the most important things that we can tell you about because it has everything that we do here at Computer America. We do reviews. We do interviews. We do just, uh, you know, a lot of different kinds of content. And if you want one place to find it all, ComputerAmerica.com is going to be your best place. Also, if you want to enter that contest I mentioned earlier, then you should definitely check out our website because right there on the homepage, there's hey a very easy to use widget to enter. I don't know. I think you can enter up to like, I want to say about eight times in eight different ways. So yeah, check that out. And then the last thing is, of course, the live video stream, which you can check out at our website or at twitch.tv forward slash computer America, and you can join in the chat room, join in the conversation, and uh, yeah, that's brought to you by OWC. So let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and just get started because we have a lot of different news stories. Usually we uh, reserve, uh, I'm sorry, we reserve news for when, like after a guest, and we have uh, you know a little bit of time to ourselves, but uh, you know some scheduling conflicts came up, and so we have an entire show dedicated to it, which I think is just fine because over the past week or so, we've had you know maybe ten minutes here or there to do news, and hey, they've been piling up. We have some very uh, interesting stories that you should definitely check out. So sit back, relax, and why don't we go ahead and get started with computer and technology news. Brought to you by OWC. Here we go. All right. Assuming that played just fine, uh, not just to uh, you know, not just for my ears, but at any rate, uh, computer technology news. This is a show or a segment dedicated to everything and anything having to do with. Uh, yeah, having to do with, uh, you know, late breaking news. And some of these are a little bit older, you know, maybe from a day or two ago, but I definitely wanted to squeeze them in there. And let's actually do two of these to kind of, you know, just let you guys know about this. And this has to do with the fact that, oh, let's see, I had it here. All right, so two companies, two different companies, you've heard of them before, they're getting into the streaming business. So that same area that used to be dominated strictly by, oh, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, uh, maybe Apple TV if you really cared about it. Um, yeah, looks like it's in HBO, of course. Well, it's about to get a lot more kludgy. And, uh, you know, we can even uh, talk about another one here. Let's throw this one in here as well. So let's start with this one and we'll talk about just how messy streaming television is about to get. And we're starting with this one, I think it came out yesterday, that DC, you know them, uh, the DC Universe, Superman, Batman, what have you, uh, 
Yeah, the they are bringing out their own streaming platform, and it's going to be starting at about eight bucks a month. So that's important because obviously, whenever a new large entity such as this, uh, you know, kind of says, "Hey, we're going to uh, be bringing out our own streaming service," that's important. So they're calling it DC Universe, uh, of course. And again, from Engadget, uh, Swap, uh, Swapna Krishna, talking about how we've known for a while that DC Comics, home of Batman, Superman, and yeah, and Wonder Woman, was working on his own streaming service to house his TV shows and movies. Well, DC now has released more details on the service, and the DC Universe will be priced at seventy-five bucks a year, so you can pay by the year, or about eight bucks a month. So. You know, you actually save quite a bit of money as 96 bucks as opposed to 75 bucks. So you save about 20 bucks. You have to pay for the year. But uh, yeah, I, I, I guess the real question really isn't the price. You know, the price, I think, is, of course, very comparable to what the market says a streaming service should cost. But it's going to be about content. So they said that it will arrive this fall. And those interested can pre-order a subscription but they said that uh, DC also released a trailer for Titans, which is a grittier, darker version of Teen Titans, great show, which will be exclusive to the service. And other content that has been newly confirmed for the service include Batman Beyond, yes, the 1999 version. So, yeah, if you were struggling to find a way to watch your Batman Beyond, this could be for you. Uh, Justice League, the animated series, Batman the Brave and the Bold, uh, and that's in addition to what's already been announced, including Batman the Animated Series and the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. So, all in all, I mean, a lot of this content has been available through, I know Netflix has had a lot of DC uh, comic movies, television shows, things like that. Uh, a lot of this has been available through uh, a cable subscription. You know, they play it on different channels there. But to have it all centered in one place... I I don't know like and and uh, you know the article poses the question and are the I'm sorry is there enough ded- I'm sorry are there enough dedicated DC comic fans out there to support it I feel like even the dedicated diehard DC comic fans which I think are such a super minority uh I think even they would find it a little I don't know lackluster to go out and buy their own standalone DC subscription for again eight bucks a month. Um, eight bucks is not a lot of money, uh, you know, when you look at a streaming service. But so far, just kind of what they've announced, yeah, it uh, it might just eight dollars might just be a lot of money for what you're actually getting. So they said that uh, even with the announced content, the pricing feels like a big ask. If the service came out with the bulk of DC's comic backlist, like Marvel Unlimited, it would be a better deal. But as the service stands now, is there enough content to justify yet another streaming service at eight bucks a month? So obviously, the author has the same reservations that I do. Uh, DC, they do have some amazing content. But I've always seen it as like an added value onto other services. I've never considered once being like, hey, this should be on its own. I would pay for this exclusively. Um, yeah. All right. So, hey, this is, this is going to be like a, th- a three-peat. So there's this one. And then there's the next one, which I think is in the same boat. It's, you know, is there really room in the market for this type of competitor? So Walmart, you've heard of them, you buy your lettuce from them, you buy your socks from them, you buy your shoes from them, you buy your clothes from them, you buy your electronics from them, you buy your home repair supplies from them. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of creepy how much you actually buy from them. So Walmart, well, reportedly, and this is one of their brands that they have in store, Voodoo. They have plans to launch a Netflix competitor under Voodoo brand later this year. So again, big because Walmart is a big company. What they you know what they do matters in the overall scheme of a marketplace. But the question is, I mean, everyone wants to take on Netflix. Everyone wants to take down Netflix, and you know, so far, no one 
So let's see what Walmart has to offer to try to get down. Uh, yeah, to try to get Netflix back down. So Walmart is gearing up to compete with Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix in the streaming video space with an offering of its own branded under the name Vudu. So the service would be similar to other streaming services by blending a mix of licensed content with original video and Variety reports that it may cost around 8 bucks a month and with news of Walmart video on demand ambitions was first reported earlier this week. So here's the thing though, having original content, that's important. That's so supremely important that when Netflix says that they are going to throw, what was it, seven or eight billion dollars behind original content, that put them far in the lead for original content. And you can license it all you want. I mean, licensed content sure is going to uh, bring in people, but at the same time, licenses end, contracts come to an end. And if you don't have your own shows that are, you know, kind of what justify people to stick around, then you're only going to last as long as other people dictate you are worth it. If you license, you know, and Netflix is finding this out the hard way, if you license all of your content from Fox, from Disney, from, uh, you know, from Time Warner, from, wait, actually, I think all those are the same people now. Um, if you, if you license your content from other people, then you are, again, only allowed to stay around as long as other people say that you are allowed to. Uh, so the original content has to be the focus and the original content has to be good. You can't just say, Hey, we have a thousand shows when those are a thousand bargain bin reality, uh, or animated shows that have no substance to them. So. It's not clear how Voodoo plans to differentiate itself from existing companies, many of which have shifted resources towards original content productions as big rights holders like Disney, ESPN, and others have begun launching streaming services of their own. And yes, our next story that we're going to talk about is the fact that Disney is releasing more information about its streaming service. So, so far we've talked about DC and the whole DC Universe uh, streaming service and how you know, they have some original content, but they don't have enough to really justify their own streaming service, or at least that's the feeling among, you know, people who have heard about this. Uh, Walmart wants to release their own. They are not a content provider. Walmart does not make their own shows, but that's about to change. So, obviously, uh, what Walmart does is that they sell the hardware that you watch all these things on. They sell you the gaming system that you maybe you watch Hulu from. They sell you the TV that you watch Netflix on. They sell you the computer that you tune into HBO. Uh, they sell you the stuff that you watch it on. If they can kind of tie that into a Voodoo brand, who the heck knows? So at the moment, Voodoo acts more like uh, acts more like an iTunes and Amazon Video competitor in the movie rental market offering around 150,000 titles to rent or buy with a much more limited selection available as free as part of their Movies on Us service. Um, like this idea of like a Movies on Us, we still have cable here, not going to name the, the provider, but they do something similar. And I can count on one hand, and if you're watching the video portion, uh, yeah, the finger's one, I can count on one hand the amount of times that I've actually watched something kind of for free on demand, it's just not a convenient way because you have to download it, you have to wait for it, It's you really don't kind of stream it. It's not really an enjoyable function of the service. And I can't imagine that Voodoo has anything uh, better than you know the cable provider I'm kind of thinking about. So, Walmart purchased the service back in 2010, and while it has since moved away from developing its own set-top boxes, Voodoo is a more well-known name in the smart TV market. Like I said, Walmart provides you the hardware. Can they actually provide you the content? Eh, that's still up in the air. So they said that they do have relationships with large Hollywood studios and television networks. And so it's feasible that the company could use those relationships to cut deals. And more than anything, it seems clear that Walmart wants to compete with Amazon in its Prime subscription service, 
which grants more than 100 million Amazon customers a substantial streaming library as part of the 120 buck subscription service. So I think that's more of it. You know, obviously the title had you believe that Walmart wants to compete with Netflix. I think it's more Walmart wants to compete with Amazon Prime. Uh, Amazon Prime does give you the ability to check out a number of uh, free and rentals and original content. And I guess Walmart is looking at Amazon and saying, hey, if they're doing it, we have to do it. So, yep, be on the lookout for that. And... Again, I, I they're, they're, they want to charge about eight bucks a month as well. That seems to be about uh, the baseline, you know, for probably not high definition, not on multiple devices, not a couple of other um, uh, perks you get with higher paid subscription services. All of these are coming out at eight bucks a month. And, you know, we can count, let's see, HBO, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, uh, Vudu, now DC, and uh hbo i mean we're already up to like what eight nine different streaming services all at eight bucks a month that's getting up to more than a subscription or more than a cable subscription and yeah i i don't know it's the market is about to get super super saturated which is what brings us to our final story in this trio and it has to do with disney so if you haven't been paying attention, I don't know where you've been, but there's been a huge, 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 huge uh, online movement for the original, uh, the original Star Wars, or not, not the original, the uh, the prequel trilogy, uh, Star Wars Episode One through Three. I think mostly sarcastic, but who can tell at this point anymore? Uh, on top of that, they have a lot of love for Clone Wars, uh, the Clone Wars by Star Wars was an animated show, uh, you know, actually surprisingly good, especially for something aimed at kids. Uh, Surprisingly dark, great writing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, It was canceled. Well, looks like Disney has seen the online resurgence of the love for, you know, not just the prequel Star Wars movies where this kind of takes place, but also the Clone Wars itself. And they've decided to kind of throw a bone to an online community and they are bringing back the Clone Wars. Yay! Hey, that's something. But, here's the catch. It will only be available through Disney's streaming service. That's the kicker. So, it will, so this is why it kind of ties in with the other streaming service stories. Is because Disney is starting to flex its muscle in saying, Hey, we'll provide you shows that you like because we have the rights to them. You know, Star Wars as an entire franchise belongs to Disney. Uh, yeah, and if you want this, hey, be on the lookout for our streaming service that we're going to launch here, launch here shortly. So they said that it will, uh, let's see, the relaunch of the Star Wars uh, Clone Wars will be 12 additional episodes via Disney's direct-to-consumer streaming service, which is expected to launch sometime in the next year. And when the service was first announced, Disney CEO Bob Iger noted that it would launch with new stories from the Star Wars universe, including new live-action Star Wars show. And, uh, yeah. So, again, this article that I pulled here mainly focuses on, you know, uh, the new Clone Wars trailer. But I will say the bigger part of this is that Disney is starting to uh, hype it's exclusives for its streaming service. And while the other two, again, Walmart and and DC, and we were saying, you know, can they really compete in this market? When it comes to Fox and Disney, because again, Disney is now, hey, the only or the only uh, the only company in the running to purchase Fox uh, content. Well, I think that no one can compete with a Disney streaming service. Netflix, surely can't. Amazon, heck no. Hulu, maybe if they got rid of the ads. But Fox is going to be probably the new number one with Netflix and everyone else struggling for number two. Or even Netflix number two and everyone else struggling for number three. Because Fox is going to be, or I'm sorry, Disney is just going to be such a huge streaming service that, yeah, 
I would not want to, uh, you know, be in Netflix's shoes because, you know, them having that identity as the number one streaming service and knowing that Disney is right on the horizon. Uh, someone in the chat room says it's a trap. Yes, much like uh, General Akbar. Yeah, Netflix, it's a trap. They're lulling you into a false sense of security by letting you be number one for so long that when they finally do come out, Netflix is, you can quote me on this, going to be number two when it comes to streaming. So, of course, the you know there are things that can change. Uh, these can include the fact if, you know, let's say if Disney knows their value, what if they come out with a streaming service that starts at $20? That might be a big enough deterrent that keeps Netflix in place or, um, you know, any number of things. But safe to say, yeah, it's, uh, let's just say that's all the streaming news for today. So DC, Walmart, Disney, all coming out with streaming services on top of what you already have to offer. It's getting convoluted. So, all right, there's that one. Let's go ahead and talk about, uh, all right, let's talk about a compromised technical marvel and then a true technical marvel. So I like this one just for the fact that, you know, hey, uh, we all know Roomba. Roomba is kind of one of the first ones that put a robot in our home. They were one of the first ones to kind of say, hey, you can have robots and they're going to be stupid because they're going to bump into everything in your home. But hey, it's a robot. Well, turns out that some of those knockoff Roombas could potentially be surveilling. And, you know, this is the case with a lot of knockoffs. They, um, you know, we've seen them from the likes of like smart TVs and other devices that aren't named, that aren't like, you know, instantly recognizable as name brand. Well, they could be doing things that you don't want, either through uh, laziness or through just generally being corrupt themselves. So that's why we have this story, this one from a day or two ago. And they're talking about a vacuum vulnerability could mean your Roomba knockoff is hoovering up surveillance. So hoovering, of course, sucking. So, yeah. Anywho, yet again, we are reminded that the mild conveniences of the smart home are all well and good right up until someone decides to turn one of those Wi-Fi connected devices you invited into your home against you. And hey, you know, when you look at a smart home, uh, everything from lighting to smart appliances to your Roomba to, uh, you know, security cameras, lots and lots of things. There's a lot of entry points into a home Wi-Fi network nowadays if you truly go all in on a smart home. So, two researchers with the, enter with the enterprise security company Positive Technologies discovered vulnerabilities expecting the Dongguan, or let's see, the Dongguan Dicky 360. So, uh, yeah, uh, obviously you might not have heard of that one, but I'm sure if you do a knockoff Roomba search, it would be one of the more popular brands. That's something that uh, obviously Dongguan uh, China does very well is that they take a technology, they rip it off, and they produce mass produce it much more uh, or much more cheaply than let's say something like a Roomba. So they said that it has its shared it has shared details of the security flaw. So the vacuum cleaners manufactured by Chinese smart home manufacturer Dicky are equipped with Wi-Fi and a 360 degree camera for a mode known as dynamic monitoring. So I think people were justifiably concerned about the Roomba when it was just, you know, that big bumpy thing and maybe some infrared to, you know, kind of not hit people. Uh, you know, people were concerned about those basic kind, kinds of deals. But then now that this one has installed a camera, that's either very, very lazy uh, programming or that is incredibly irresponsible manufacturing to put a camera on these kinds of things in people's homes. So anywho, they said that uh, the camera was meant to turn the, uh, the, it was meant to turn the, uh, the vacuum cleaner. I can't keep calling it the Roomba knockoff, uh, calling it the smart vacuum cleaner, a home surveillance device as well. 
Well, they said that the camera is probably what you need to is what you need to be worried about because if it's a home surveillance device, well, I guess whoever has access to it is now surveilling you. So the remote code code vulnerability can give an attacker who obtains the device's MAC address system admin privileges. And according to the report, the vulnerability is contained within the request sets Wi-Fi password function and exploiting it requires authentication, though a default username and password combo is common. And by the way, if you wanted to know, the default for this thing, uh, admin is the username. And the password is not quite password, but it's 888-888. And I say that knowing full well that if someone out there is using one of these devices and they suddenly hear their username and password live on the radio, that's, hey, maybe they'll be shamed into going home and changing it from such an absurdly weak combination. So the researchers suspect that the vulnerability in the Dongguang Dicky 360 robot vacuum model might affect other products sharing the video module. So yeah, they're saying that uh, that the Dicky also manufactures vacuums sold under other brands and that researchers suspect that those devices will be, effect- will be affected by the vulnerability as well. And, you know, it's problems such as these, uh, again, something China does very, very well is that they'll take a device and then they'll mass produce it to death and then they'll flood the market. We saw this with Wi-Fi cameras. We saw this with home security cameras. And that's why we had these instances of botnets that were a billion devices strong. And it's exactly this. They, you know, one company makes a billion different cameras sells it to a couple dozen different manufacturers and suddenly the same billion devices have the same vulnerability that are under a dozen different brand names. It's a real problem. So they know that a second vulnerability also affected the vacuum model, though it requires physical access through the SD card slot to compromise the, the machine. So obviously if you have physical access to the device, hey, you know, getting into it, not that hard either. And yeah, uh, someone in the chat room asked, where's the camera? Wouldn't they just be filming uh, the dog? And let's see, if I'm looking at this device correctly, I'm betting the camera is somewhere embedded in the front of the device, probably in this little curve right here. So, but if it's a, you know, if they're marketing it as a home surveillance device, it's going to obviously be kind of pointed up. So yes, the dog might get it, uh, might get in there, and yes, you might get a very, uh, you might get a very moony view of your dog. But at the same time, it's also going to be able to monitor, uh, really everything in the house. So yeah, be careful of that. So they said that since the Wi-Fi, since the vacuum has Wi-Fi, a webcam with night vision, and smartphone controlled navigation. An attacker could secretly spy on the owner and even use the vacuum as a microphone on wheels for maximum surveillance potential. So if you're laying in bed and picture like a typical horror movie kind of deal, you're laying in bed, middle of the night, you wake up, your eyes open, and from across the room, you see a blinking red light. And then slowly you hear the whir of your vacuum cleaner slowly back out of the room, back around the corner. Yeah, your vacuum cleaner might have just been spying on you. So, yeah. Uh, Be careful when you use these knockoff devices because security is not, 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 not a, um, not a priority for these uh, off-brand devices. So they said, you know, obviously you can be spied and then that's about the worst case scenario for the owner. The uh, not, (laughs) the not worst case scenario of course, has to do with the fact that uh, it can be used in DDoS attacks. It can be used and compromised, and hey, you know, all these devices can then be used to assault a target, uh, yeah, using distributed denial of service. So, anywho, there you go. If you have one of these, uh, be careful, and I'm hoping that there's a, uh, a patch for it. So far, the security firm just, you know, kind of points it out. Um, I don't know if, well, heck. You know, now that we know that this is a possibility, if you feel the need and if you feel 
wow, music that quick. So if you feel the need, put tape over your camera on your Roomba device. So there you go. Um, yeah, so everyone, music means we are back. More Computer America, more computer technology news. Right after this, everyone, stay tuned. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airline travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-215-4461. 800-215-4461. 800-215-4461. That's 800-215-4461. We are all Brother Wolf. Ten years ago, a group of locals banded together to create positive change. We took animals into our homes, held adoption events at local retailers, and talked to the community about our mission to help build a no-kill Asheville. A decade later, we have achieved so many victories for animals in need. There's been so much progress, yet there's still so much to do. As part of our year-long celebration, we encourage you to become a member of our special Compassionate Circle program. With a monthly donation of $10 or more, you will have behind-the-scenes access to the work we are doing at Brother Wolf. Our goal is to reach 1,000 members because we receive no government funding. Working together, we can help build and sustain no-kill communities. Learn more at CompassionateCircle.BWAR.org. We are a 501c3 tax-deductible organization. And welcome back to the Computer America Show. It is, oh, 32 minutes past the hour. And, uh, yeah, we're doing computer technology news. Actually, let me see if I can do this real quick. So, uh, all week I pastor you, or uh, I'm not allowed to say the word pastor. I inform you politely that we do this thing called the Computer America Giveaway. And that's brought to you by Logitech. And, yeah, you know, hey, we love giving away a prize. And, hey, we are about to draw another one. So, let's go ahead and let me actually edit something right here. Because, you know, this is, of course, ongoing. And, yeah, let's, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. So, let's go ahead and save that. So, hey, it's about time to give away a prize. So, let's go ahead and get this, uh, this going. That's nice. I like that. Again, brought to you by Logitech, giving away the Triathlon M720 mouse. And this week's winner that we're drawing right now is the one, the only... I like that. So, this week's winner is, and hopefully I get this right, Jace Amadas. Jace Amadas listens to us in Pittsburgh, Kansas, USA. Uh, KS, that's probably Kansas, right? Pittsburgh. And, uh, yeah. Again, so, uh, let's see. uh, Jace Amadas, if you're listening to us, thank you so much for uh, checking us out here on Computer America. And, uh, yeah, all they had to do was follow Computer America on Twitch.tv. So, hey, shout out to our video portion. And we're going to get in touch with Jace, and we'll put them in contact with uh, with Logitech, get that all sorted out, and their prize should be off here shortly. But uh, in the meantime, everyone, if you want to be next week's Jace, then, hey, tune into uh, Computer America, enter our social media contest, and, hey, more giveaways here in the near future. So. Everyone, thank you for entering, and thank you so much for computer uh, for supporting Computer America, no matter which way you do it. So, all right, there's our weekly winner. Let's go ahead and continue on with computer and technology news. Again, still brought to you by OWC, and we have a number of, of stories. So that was a technology fail that we just talked about. Let's talk about a technology win. 
So micro SD cards, you probably have used them before. Uh, things for like uh, phones, if you don't run Apple or cameras or laptops or just any other any other device, and having that extra memory is great. But sometimes you just don't have enough of it, and you're swapping between different micro SDs every now and again. Well, that's where this one comes in, and. Yeah, it's uh, pretty shocking what they can do with an SSD flash chip. So Toshiba's flash chips could boost SSD capacity by over 500%. So five times. And hopefully, and, and, and this is probably something you know strictly in the lab, but it shows the end possibility for the technology. And we saw this a little while ago with the standards people when it came to... Uh, Let's see, I think they were talking about uh, SSDs, and they essentially gave gave them clearance to go all the way up to, you know, so many terabytes. Uh, yeah, I guess terabyte is now the new name of the game. Because, you know, as we were talking, uh, you know, way back in the day, kilobytes was exciting, and then megabytes were exciting when something came with, you know, a, you know... Uh, came with a one megabyte storage device. It was exciting. And then gigabytes came along. And can you believe an entire gigabyte? Oh my God, you can't even use that much storage. And then all of a sudden you have uh, terabytes worth of storage. Hey, we are getting to the point where we are starting to, uh, you know, really get terabytes to be our everyday unit. And anything below that is laughable. So Toshiba has, start, has started building prototype sample flash memory with the highest capacity yet, which is 1.33 terabits, or a 166 gigabit, or I'm sorry, gigabyte per chip, saying that the 96-layer 3D NAND flash chips have 4 bits per cell, as compared to the current-gen 3-bit tech, which, uh, which allowed for the chips to only contain 32 gigabytes and a typical package for flash storage containing 16 chips would have an astounding 266 terabytes of storage. So containing, uh, yeah, so let's see, capacity, opening up the new possibility for faster, higher density SSDs and memory cards. So these aren't just for, you know, storing pictures. These are for actually computing inside uh, devices. So, Western Digital said it expects to start shipping consumer SanDisk products using the chips later this year, and that the firm still has a partnership with Toshiba, despite the later's acquisition by Bain Capital, a consortium that includes Apple, Dell, Seagate, and Kingston. So, Western Digital obviously at odds with Seagate and Kingston, uh, also at odds to a lesser extent with Apple and Dell, but they're still doing business together. Lucky for Western Digital. So, despite the constantly improving NAND flash tech, prices for SSDs and memory cards have been rising until recently because of a shortage of chips. And they're reportedly falling again because of lower demand for PCs, smart mo- uh, wow, there we go, smartphones, and, and crypto mining equipment. And that's great news for consumers, so hopefully Toshiba's new higher capacity faster chips keep that trend going down. So, hey, you know, if you wanted uh, SSDs that could store even more, then, hey, you're in luck. Because I think having like a one terabyte uh, SSD, while not totally impossible to do, was just about starting to get to the point where, you know, having one kind of made fiscal sense. Uh, you know, having a smaller one, 250, 128, uh, you know, gigabytes SSD was still cheap, but if you can get one that is three or four terabytes, then hey, that's uh you know, and you can get one for a good price, then that's definitely where you, where you want to be. And when you start to have that much storage, sure, having a traditional magnetic hard drive is still good for storage, but a person could viably get away with only an SSD, which puts a lot of pressure on traditional hard drives for them to either increase storage to justify their existence or start to phase themselves out and us only running on SSDs, which is a good thing. 
So love that story. Love it when technology marches forward ever further. All right, let's do this next one. I love a good re revenge story. And uh, yeah, so you may have heard uh, he was very active on social media. I think that's why the tech uh, companies really kind of, um, you know, picked up on his story. He was a troll. He was uh, someone who took delight into making people mad. And yeah, Martin Shkreli, you've heard of him. He was the gentleman who wrote, who, who increased the price of a life-saving medication by 5,000%. That's right. So people who needed this medicine uh, because of a very rare condition, he chose them to hike them by 5,000% through no outside market forces that we could kind of tell. And yeah, it turns out, and, and, you know, so the whole thing with Martin Shkreli, you know, kind of happened, not really going to rehash that one. Uh, you know, he's in prison, he's been fined, whatever. So again, without any generic competitors, they abruptly raised his price from 1350 to $750 per pill in the fall of 2015. And that's a problem because even after the backlash, they still didn't lower the price, or at least they didn't lower it by 5,000%. So they said that uh, Martin Shkreli's former pharmaceutical company lost more than a million bucks in the first quarter of 2018 amid waning sales of the drug made famous by Shkreli's price increase. And that's according to financial documents received uh, re recently reviewed by Stats. So they, uh, and of course, they said that uh, Vieira Pharmaceuticals, formerly known as Turing Pharmaceuticals, had brazenly maintained Shkreli's uh, despised price hike of the drug uh, uh, Daraprim, Daraprim, which treats relatively rare para uh, parasitic infestations that often strike babies in, and HIV-AIDS patients. So, obviously, these are things that you do not want, and... Yeah, it's uh, you know at thirteen fifty a pill, very something you know something very uh, much you can't live without. At seven hundred and fifty dollars though a pill, you start to question, you know, not not how am I going to afford this, but you know even if I could, is it worth selling my house over? So, anywho, they uh, they said that the former employees who spoke to Stat on the condition of being anonymous blamed the losses on the fact that Daraprim treats uncommon infections that are becoming less common, and as well as the backlash over the pricing scandal. So the result is that the company, sorry, the company had to lay off at least a handful of salespeople and lost about $1.2 million in the first quarter. So, I mean, yay for, you know, parasitic, uh, parasitic in, uh, infections uh, going down. That's great. Um, also, yay for, you know, companies not profiting off of just predatory pricing increases. So, though Vieira has, has seen Shkreli's profit-driving plan to its end, Shkreli is long gone from the company, and uh, Turing, meanwhile, changed its name and tried to distance itself from Shkreli without lowering Daraprim's price. And in light of the, of the dwindling profits, the company is reportedly considering changing its name once again. And uh, yeah, so hey, we'll see if another name change is the true uh, fix to this whole thing instead of, you know, actually addressing the concerns of the consumer. But uh, yeah, there you go. So again, it, it's one of the stories that you kind of like that you hate what happened and you like to follow, you know, people kind of getting their comeuppance. So there you have it. All right. Let's get a little bit more technical again. I like this one. This one's quick, short, simple. Recently here at the household, we've had to put together a number of, uh, of, I don't know. Uh, I think the last thing we put together was this weird kind of chair bookshelf, uh, you know, kind of flippy thing where, if you flip it over, it's a chair, and then you flip it over again, it turns into kind of a stepladder kind of deal for bookshelves. Uh, you know, very, you know, very nicely designed, uh, you know, very, very well made because I made it. And, you know, 
well, I, I, I say I made it because, you know, someone ordered it online and I put it together, you know, even though the instruction sheet was not in English or even in uh, Earthling. But still, when we tried to put it together for the first time, yeah, uh, it was a library chair. That's what it was. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we put that thing together. But when we first tried, we were missing, I think, like a certain type of screw or we were missing a certain type of part from the packaging. And here's the problem with a lot of these prefabricated, uh, I don't, I, I don't want to call them devices, but these prefabricated pieces of furniture, they are engineered to a T. I love it. It's, a, it's human ingenuity at its best. But a lot of those parts are something that, you know, a person could never really describe in their life. You know, just, they are so complicated, they're so weird, they're so uh, specific that they're like, hey, do you mean this? And it's like, no, that one's half an inch too long, Uh, that screw doesn't have enough uh, twists and turns in it, it's, uh, you know, the head isn't right. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with these very specific little parts. Well, enter Amazon's Part Finder, and that is the name of the service. Amazon's Part Finder helps you find those weird screws that you need, and it uses your phone's camera to identify the part you want more of. And if you have a home hardware part that you can't identify but need more of, you might find that the camera on Amazon's iPhone app is a bit more useful after a low-key recent update. Saying that the new part finder tool uses computer vision to determine the type of screw, nut, bolt, or other fastener you may have and points to where you can buy more in its store. Which is great because when you have to contact the manufacturer, we've even had situations where the manufacturer doesn't care so much that you say, hey, this one little part is broken. They'll send you an entire new doodad, like the entire package just for that one little missing part. I mean, it it's a pain point for everyone because, hey, you know, in a lot of cases, you don't even want a second doodad. You just wanted that one little fastener. But at any point, they said that Amazon added the feature to its, uh, to its iOS app a couple of weeks back. And, uh, and yeah, saying that it confirmed on TechCrunch but didn't announce PartFinder or even mention it in the App Store release notes. So there's no sign of an Android app release just yet. So to use the feature, you'll need to place the part on a white surface next to a penny, likely for scale, and the app will tell you how to line up the camera. That's the hard part. I haven't come across a penny in forever. I have more strange nuts, bolts, washers, uh, doodads, widgets, uh, fasteners. I have more weird things in my home than I do pennies. So that might be a problem. But... They said that the app will tell you how to line up the camera, and once it has scanned the item, Amazon will display some results. The following screen will ask you for more details to narrow down the suggestion, including whether a screw has a flat or rounded head, as well as the type of screwdriver needed. So, it's certainly a useful feature, especially if you're not much of a home hardware type and need some guidance on what part you need. So, of course, they can identify more than 100 types of fasteners and represent thousands, if not millions, of parts. So, yeah, you know, if you've ever put anything together by, let's say, Ikea or just anything flat-packed, then, yeah, you, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are tons of those little parts that if you just happen to have one less of, the whole project comes to a screeching halt. So... Hey, you know, it's a good thing to know about Amazon Part Finder, again, through the Amazon iPhone app. Nothing about it other than this article that I found, and I think it serves a pretty good purpose. So, there you have that. Alright, uh, I like this, I, I like this one. So, currently in, uh, you know, in the studio here, we are running three monitors to a computer. And we're hoping to bump that up, but for now, three monitors, it's, uh, you know, hey, it's a pretty good setup. So, that's where I found this article, I found it pretty darn cool. This is not the first one I've seen, this is probably not going to be the last one that I see, but it just shows that it's, uh, you know, starting to become a thing. 
So the author writes about his point of view. This seems to be more of a review of this kind of product, but it's about a Samsung monitor. And if you're checking out the video portion, you can see it there. This thing's huge. So again, running a three monitor setup, this is designed to kind of take the place of all three. And yeah, so while well, he said that I've been working with an ugly but functional lopsided two monitor setup for years. Again, this is the author typing this. Uh, and, and while it has served me well, I can't say the new generation ultrawide monitors hasn't, hasn't tempted me. And But the truth is they just aren't wide enough, or rather, they weren't. So that's why Samsung has just blown his mind with a monitor so wide it will serve as a ramp that you can trick off of in the summer. So obviously you know, skateboard ramp. So the dimensions, if you're counting, 3840 by 1200. Uh, not quite 4K. Obviously, this is much, much wider than 4K. Uh, I think 4K is like 3840 by uh, 2560 or something like that. Anywho, vertically, it's, uh, you know, not, it's more than 1080p. Um, you know, it adds an extra 120 pixels vertically. But Width-wise, it's about the width of uh, two or three monitors. So they said, actually, it's a little less wide than a couple of monitors that they announced at CES, but those had two problems. First, they were th three. I'm sorry, 3840 by 1080, and uh, it, and of course, he said that he just needed more vertical pixels than that. And second, that they were 49 inches wide, and saying that that is a big monitor. Not just big, but those pixels spread out that far, it's not going to look sharp at all. So, yeah, you know, there were 50-inch monitors that were, you know, horizontal. But, uh, yeah, I guess what he's saying is that that much real estate, you can't have something with that low resolution. Even though it sounds like a lot, really isn't. So, this one measures about 43 inches uh, diagonally. And one of the downsides, he says, of his new monitor is that one of the downsides is that it can be a pain to separate workspaces or, say, have a movie playing full screen on one half while you browse Etsy for vintage kettles on the other. Hmm. But Samsung has picture-by-picture -picture mode and some other useful features that help with this. So, yeah, he says it costs about 900 bucks. And it's in which is admittedly two or three times what he would normally pay for a monitor. Sorry, he's saying that he's more of a Dell Ultra Sharp kind of guy, but um, yeah, but my whole workflow could change when the thing goes on sale. So, again, just look at this thing 43 inches corner to corner, uh, huge, and just know that maybe when you shop for your next monitor. Instead of you know thinking of like a two or three monitor setup, maybe a single massive monitor is something that you could potentially be working with, because they're they're impressive, they really are. So there's that one, and all right, I think we have time to cap it off with really probably the biggest story, I think of the day, and this is going to carry us out. So here we go. Let's just get started. Facebook, Google. Microsoft, Twitter, you've heard of them, right? Well, they're trying to unite to let you transfer data between apps more efficiently. And this has to do with the Data Transfer Project is a new team up between tech giants and it's founded by Facebook, Google, Twitter, Microsoft, and DTP today revealed its plan, or at least the, uh, well, I'm sorry, the DTP. The DTP, which is the Data Transfer Project, revealed its plans for an open source data portability platform any online service can join. And while many companies already let you download your information, that's not very helpful if you can't easily upload and use it elsewhere. Whether you want to evacuate a social network you hate, back up your data somewhere different, or bring your digital identity along when you try a new app. So the DTP's tool isn't ready for use yet, but the group today laid out a white paper for how it will work. And this is news because all of these different services, they're going to have a lot of information about you. And as much as we hate the fact that we are giving away our information by the fistful, 
this at least lays out a uh, let you know lays out the groundwork for say if you want to completely ditch Google if you are done with Google you're sick of Google and you want to take everything and give it to Microsoft you know because you have built up a lot of data about yourself a lot of that does give you added functionality and ease of use as you use these services then this gives you the ability to transfer all of your data to Microsoft so that you still have all your photos, you still have all of your messages, you still have all of your, uh, you know, autofill features, things like that. Gives you the ability to transfer all of that without having to rebuild your digital identity, identity from scratch and then delete it all from Google, which is now a thing. You can do that. And that lets you choose between which provider. It's it's no more sunk cost fallacy. It's not It's not hey, I've been using Google for so long, I could never make the switch. This is the beginning of that change where if you want to get rid of Twitter, then you could transfer all of your data, all of your, all of your pictures from Twitter and ditch Twitter, but then you can pick up Facebook in the next breath. You know, it's laying out that interplay that hopefully gives the consumer a bit more uh, ability to migrate. So they said that creating an industry standard for data portability could force companies to compete on utility instead of being protected by data lock-in that traps users between the tough-to-switch services, as I was just saying. From porting playlists and music streaming services to health data from fitness trackers to our reams of photos and videos, the DTP could be a boon for startups. Incumbent tech giants maintain a huge advantage in popularizing new functionality because they can instantly interoperate with a user's existing data. Even if a social network startup builds a better location sharing feature, personalized avatar, or payment system, it's hard to compete with the fact that Facebook, well, you know, they would simply be a Facebook clone because they have to use Facebook's data and they have to interoperate with Facebook itself. If the, D if the DTP gains industry-wide momentum, then maybe these companies could start operating in good faith with one another. Uh, if someone truly does build a better platform, you wouldn't be strictly stuck with the fact that, oh, Facebook is so big, I could never peel myself away from them. If you could still have everything that Facebook has on you, but have it in a more secure, private, central location, then hey, this gives you the opportunity to potentially make that happen. So, I think that's huge news. We're going to hear more about it. Uh, it's going to be about adoption. But when, again, you start off with Google and Facebook, not to mention Twitter and Microsoft, yeah, that's one of the biggest uh, hurdles to begin with is getting all these players to, you know, kind of act nicely. So hopefully this is a shift that, you know, kind of uh, that was started with the, oh, what do you call it? The data protections, uh, I already forgot what they're called. The data protections that were enacted in the in the EU, hopefully this is something along those lines that let people have a better control over their digital life. And hey, you know, even if they're still the best services, even if Google and Facebook and Microsoft are still the best services, at least there's a way that you can separate yourself if you ever choose to do that. So... All right, I think that's just about it. The music should start playing. There it goes. Yeah, so the so there's the music, and that means that we're just flat out of time. And folks, everyone, I want to thank you so much for coming into Computer America, tuning in. I want to thank our winner. I already forgot their name, but don't worry, we have it written down. And we will be contacting them shortly after the program. Everyone, thank you for tuning into Computer America. And thank you for, hey, you know, joining us here for the hour. Tune in next week. Let's see if we can tease some of our uh, guests that we should have lined up. Uh, let's see, Monday, Enablesoft, Scott Schober. Uh, we have a company called Pango Technologies. They make, uh, you know, they make a very cool product. And of course, we're going to cap off the week with, uh, with Nathan Evans. So, and I think we should be able to squeeze in uh, some of our other correspondents, including uh, Darius Derekshani, who we had to reschedule, and of course, our all Linux show should be coming up here in the next day or two, or the next week or two. 
So, folks, until next time, again, I should stop saying folks. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And be sure to tune in next week, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Check out the podcast if you miss any show this week. And check out the video portion, hey, if that's your fancy. Everyone, have a good weekend. Do something fun. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Folks.